Hello, welcome back to the Masonic Roundtable, a weekly program where Masons from around the world get together to talk about Masonic news and opinions in a friendly and social manner. As a reminder, the thoughts and opinions expressed here are solely the opinions of the participants and do not represent any Grand Lodge statements or positions or appended body statements or positions. Make sure you keep your conversations uh, open for the public and on the level. To inter- interact with us, you can always join us live Thursday nights at 9.30 Eastern. And we are streaming live on Facebook and YouTube. The chats are always hot and lively, so we love seeing you all over there. If not, always catch us later, and you can always catch the uh, chat replay as well. So you know me. My name is John Ruark. I'm a past master of the Patriot Lodge number 1957 in Fairfax, Virginia. And uh, Joe, did I did I pull it off right tonight? Did I do a good job? You did, you, you you're taking your medication. Good job. <laughs> it's you're kicking doing in. Fantastic. Good. <laughs> Yay. Namaste. Hello, interwebs. Uh, my name is Joe Martinez. Uh, currently, still master of uh, Manassa Lodge number 182. Um, member of a bunch of appended bodies, one which we will talk about tonight. And uh, yeah, super jazzed to be here. Let's talk. Woo! Woo! Awesome. Next up, Robert Johnson. Hello and good evening. Hello and good evening. Uh... Past Master Walking Lodge, current sitting secretary at Space Novum Lodge, eleven eighty three in Libertyville, Illinois, where John Ruark just spoke last month. Uh, he did a great presentation on uh, light and uh, some exegesis for us. It was really awesome. So I wanted to publicly just give a big shout out to you and say thanks for coming out and uh-huh. doing that. I know it is not easy to get away, especially us brothers who have. Um, entire softball teams of children yes, indeed uh so uh and my thanks to uh your lovely wife for uh understanding and and, and come letting you play mason for for the weekend so uh yeah thanks. all that said great to be here this evening to talk about a really uh cool awesome subject excellent and last but not least for tonight our special guest which is Brother Jacob Thompson from the Valley of St. Louis, part of the ancient accepted Scottish Rite, amongst many other titles. So I'm going to let you <laughs> chime in with any additional titles you'd like to add. All the titles. All the titles. I don't know about all the titles. Uh, good evening, long brethren. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's an honor and a pleasure to be here tonight. Uh, Jacob Thompson, past master of Silex Lodge number 75 uh, under the Grand Lodge of Missouri. Uh, also have the opportunity to be the Grand Historian of the Grand Lodge of Missouri uh, this year um, and work with our Grand Lodge as we celebrate our bicentennial. Uh, more importantly for this evening, uh, I'm a member of the Valley of St. Louis, Ancient Accepted Scottish Rite, Southern Jurisdiction and its bodies, uh, where I serve as the Director of Education uh, and the Senior Warden of the St. Louis Chapter of Knights Rose Croy. Uh, and yes, in St. Louis, we say it wrong, Rose Croy. Mm. I know it's quah. <laughs> awesome. Hey, that's super awesome to have you here. It's going to be a fun uh, conversation, especially because of all the hard work you've done over the past two years. But before we get into that, definitely want to give a shout out to the patrons who support the show. You guys are like the fifth Beatle. So you guys rock. And uh, we do appreciate everything you guys do to keep the show on the air for many, many years to come. And so if you'd like to join in uh, some of the behind the scenes action, head over to patreon.com slash the Masonic Roundtable. And chip in a few bucks and uh, nerd out with us. We love it. Love seeing you there. Okay. So tonight's topic is 
actually about the Scottish Rite. Looking through, I mean, geez, Scottish Rite has a ton of stuff we could cover. And so there's no way we could ever do this justice in this exactly. Um, and we have done uh, one episode just on the overview, but that's been a heck of a long time ago. That was like five or six hosts ago. So well, one thing that we wanted to do um, is not go. Oh. S- yeah, exactly. That was before <laughs> Joe. B- BJ. <laughs> it was BJ. Joe. So yes. instead of doing a real deep dive into the structure and history and philosophy and all that Scottish, right? I want to touch on that, but more importantly, we want to focus on what else? Masonic education. Because if you may have heard the Scottish Rite being referred to as the University of Freemasonry, uh, I, I was, let's say, a little underwhelmed when I went to uh, sign up for classes and my, uh, my college credits didn't transfer over because there really wasn't much there to go on uh, in the sense of, like most Masonic education, you're on your own. And so yet Brother Johnson, uh, um, uh, Brother Jacob did a really good job in forming something unique that served the brethren of the Scottish Rite. Or so it was Scottish Rite exclusive and uh, certainly made something memorable that uh, is being, I'm sure, reused for years to come. Robert? Can, can I, I just got to, I got to throw this in there. So it was my first time ever going to the Southern Jurisdiction. Um, when I traveled down there with a couple brothers and, um, <clears throat> the first time down there, I sat around and, and I, and, and I met Jacob and he was running around like serious professor, like papers and stuff in the, he like the briefcase and papers under the arm, the leather, leather like, patches on the elbows, like dude, no the doubt, <laughs> like everything but the pipe. Dude was like, seriously, so (laughs) running around. And I thought to myself, this is like young Indiana Jones. So he's running around and he's doing all the stuff. And um, he's like, yeah, we're going to do like a little education thing. And I was like, what? That's so cool. Because up in the northern jurisdiction at the time, we really didn't have, you know, any education outside of the prologue before a degree. No discussion after nothing. And so I think that first year there was – one, two, three, four, maybe six long garage sale tables, like in one of the rooms upstairs. And in the front of the room, it was uh, Jacob who was standing there. Uh, Brother Randy Sanders was sitting right next to me. We were learning from Jacob. And in the one thing, I think it was after the 18th degree, I think it was that. And Jacob was like, so, so this is crazy because after every single degree, right? Like every degree has a sash. Every degree has uh, an all specific altar set up, even though you might not see it, a specific obligation or whatever. And Jacob brought it all together and like showed us, this is how you sign your name. It's Knight of the Rose Croy. And like, he like did all the stuff and we were like, oh, dang, this was the coolest thing to dive in some of this history. And um, he started it. And then the next year we went and I sat in his sessions and they were bigger. And then the next few years that came around, I wasn't able to get down there. And when I was ready to go, COVID happened. And, but just before that, he posted, somebody posted a picture, Jacob, of the room. And you had, it was filled (laughs) with everybody. It was so cool to see going from this grassroots movement of an education thing that you did to, and I'm sure there are other education guys out there who are doing similar stuff, but from my experience, 
It was the first time I saw it, and I thought to myself, this could happen. This could do it. Right. We all say it. It just takes a spark. So before we get into that, um, Brother Jacob, why don't you kind of give us a, a, a brief overview of what the Scottish Rite is for those who aren't familiar, how it's set up, and you know, kind of the gen- generic philosophies that, that uh, it, it builds upon. Yeah, sure. So the Scottish Rite, we'll, we'll start with the easiest first thing, um, really doesn't have much to do with Scotland. Uh, the name Scottish uh, comes more from that French echo say, uh, and it actually primarily comes out of France. Uh, masonry, you know, it, it's it's growing. It's, it's coming into its own in the early 1700s, late 1600s. And as the ritual develops, uh, it moves into continental Europe. And about that time, things like uh, the Jacobite uprisings, other political turmoil, there's a lot of Scotsmen living in France. Um, and the French, uh, mixing with those nobles from Scotland and others, uh, took to masonry uh, like it was a, a big barrel of scotch uh, <laughs> or whiskey uh, and, and really just exploded. Um, because as these degrees took root, guys started asking questions, you know. What happened after this? Why did this happen? And what happens after it? And what was the reason behind it? And because of that, we start to see some rights appear uh, two or three degrees in a set, perhaps standalone degrees um, that really just explode. And so there's there's a number that's thrown around, and I've heard it with several speakers, that they'll tell you there were about a thousand degrees at one point or another worked between continental Europe um, and England in one way or another. That's a lot of dues uh, cards. It, oh, exactly. Exactly. And, and back then, you know, a dues card wasn't small. It was quite large. <laughs> so I have a, a heck of a wallet. But these bodies grew and spread. And, and as they spread, um, you know, brothers of, of all levels of stratosphere and the socioeconomic status are coming to it. Um, and, and so things are happening, you know, one group wants to be the Knights of, of the East and the West. Well, another group says we're better than Knights. Let's be the emperors or the princes. And, and so these bodies grow by 1761, uh, a brother by the name of Stephen Moran, uh, receives a patent and this patent, uh, in summary tells him that he is to spread perfect and sublime masonry. As, as he goes forth, uh, very vague. Uh, I don't think any Mason in the world could ever get a patent like that today. Um, but he goes off to the Caribbean and it's there that he takes uh, the best of the best of these degrees, the really the high flyers, if you will, uh, and coalesces them into a 25 degree system. Uh, and this system flourishes in several places. It does land in the United States, uh, but inevitably it, it keeps rolling and, and growing. So that in 1801, uh, a group of brothers in Charleston, South Carolina, come together. They look at this system. Uh, they refine it. They add some degrees to it. And they announce themselves as the Supreme Council of the 33rd degree uh, for the United States of America at the time. And thus begins the Scottish Rite as we know it. And it grows from there. The system is 33 degrees. Uh, the first three degrees are, are not worked in a craft setting, at least in the general sense. 
Uh, Supreme Council doesn't perpetuate that, and we don't act on that. That's been kind of why is that? That's a great question. Uh, It it comes a lot from the idea of respecting the Grand Lodge. Uh, It also comes from the political circumstances of the time. When the Supreme Council in Charleston first came around, uh, there were actually two Grand Lodges kind of fighting for control of South Carolina. And as a way of kind of walking the middle rope uh, from a political sense, they kind of basically said, hey, we aren't going to touch what you guys do. We'll let you do that. You do it well. We're not going to get into politics. And that was a great decision, and it's it's done us well since then. Um, and, and from that point, of course, the Scottish Rite grows. 29 degrees are actively practiced uh, from the 4th degree to the 32nd. Uh, additionally, there is a rank and decoration, which is known as the Knight Commander of the Court of Honor, uh, or the Red Cap. Uh, it's not a degree or a half degree. It's, it's an honor. Um, and then there is the 33rd degree. Um, the common misconception with that degree, of course, is that it's honorary uh, because the public title is Inspector General Honorary. Uh, the only thing honorary about it is that you get an honorary seat on the Supreme Council. You're not active. Uh, the degree that that brother receives is the same degree that the head of the state who sits on the Supreme Council receives. It's, it's nothing different. Um, I hear a lot of guys say, oh, well, he's just an honorary or he just got an honorary degree. No, he got the real deal. Um, so that's the base overview. The lessons of the degree are, are as profound as, as any body we can find. They take the work we learn in the chapter. Uh, from the, in the chapter, the lodge, the council, and the, uh, and the consistory, those bodies that form the Scottish Rite. And you can look at it all, and you can spend a lifetime examining it. But what you'll find is at its root, a lot of it's right there in your inner apprentice, your fellow craft, and your master mason. The Scottish Rite just takes a pair of tweezers and pulls a little bit out of it and puts it under a microscope, and you zoom in a little bit differently. That's a great metaphor. Um, it really and, is. And, and, and that's kind of how it works. I, I mean, guys, the more we look at it, we see it. Well, hey, I can identify that part with this. And it's just kind of the, the mode of teaching. It's getting you to dig deeper. Um, there are four bodies that confer the degrees in the right. Uh, the first is the fourth through the 14th degree, and that's called the Lodge of Perfection. Uh, that's your working body, generally speaking. Everybody's got to be a member of it. Um, and those degrees are very similar to most brothers. It's King Solomon's temple. It's what happens after the third degree. Uh, to me, it's, it's a snapshot of all the little bits and pieces that had to fall into place after the third degree to keep things going, to keep the wheels on the bus. And then it, as you trend towards the end of that degree, we begin to see this philosophic, this symbolic, this esoteric nature being drawn out which leads us into the chapter of Rose Qua, uh, which is your 15th through 18th degrees. Uh, and those are really kind of a neat split because the 15th and the 16th are some of the oldest degrees in the Scottish Rite. Uh, they're your, your Knight of the East and Prince of Jerusalem. These are the second temple degrees. And then the latter half, the 17th and 18th degrees, they're alchemical. They're about transformation. They're about purification. They're about trial and tribulation and light overcoming dark. Um, we then transition to what's called the Council of Kadosh. That's your 19th through your 30th degree. Uh, those are those are the heavy hitters. <laughs> those are the ones that will give you a wallop and, and you'll really get lost in because those are the ones yes, that are indeed. deep philosophy, 
mystery schools, initiatic traditions, uh, profound esoteric concepts, all covered in there. There's some skulls for Joe. I mean, it's it's really, really some cool stuff, but it's it's not for the faint of heart. It's not light. Uh, and then you finish off with the 31st and the 32nd degrees, which is part of a body we call the consistory. Uh, and the 31st degree, it's it's ancient Egyptian, and it, it's, mytho- it's allegory and it's lessons. Uh, and then the 32nd degree ties a lot of things together uh, and takes you to some traditions uh, based in the Indo-Aryan region, uh, Persia, ancient Persia, that type of thing. So, no, that that's a super fantastic overview. Couldn't have done it, but with with anyone else that that well and that that crisp mm. because you know, boy, you just ran through you know millennia's worth of topics and philosophy right in just that brief description. Good night, all. Yep, we're done. <laughs> but that's cool. as we know just the beginning of the story. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Because how do you like? How do you have time to to unpack everything you learn? Of course, anyone who's gone through these weekend blasts of degrees, dude, it was like a fire hose. And I mean, I'm not kidding. My head hurt at the end. It's of too a, much. Yeah, it's too yeah, much. It's too much in a weekend because I'm trying to process it all, and they're still just shoving more and more of uh, this ritual. I mean, and it's not that I didn't understand it. It's just that I had I was trying to synthesize it while I was hearing it. And then what? And then you're left on your own, like I said, to, to dive deeper. Yeah, exactly. It's, it, it's so much content. It, it's so much. Um, and, and even, even with what we call the revised uh, standard pike work today, which makes most degrees about 45 minutes to maybe an hour and a half of the length, it's still just blasting you away. Um, you know, the older, older ritual, there's a couple of degrees that are three close to tip and probably four hours. If you really do the work right, um, to the level it's supposed to occur, it's not made for the faint of heart. Um, you know, we, we talk about these reunions and these big events, like we're, we're talking here and, and those type of experiences really didn't come into full, full function till like the 18, late 1890s, right around the time Pike died, um, if you read some of what he wrote and what uh, Grand Commander Richardson wrote, who was right after him, uh, they weren't a fan. <laughs> uh, Pike himself thought you should slog through these degrees for a very long time. And and one of the things that I've, I find is beautiful in the work, if you read through the ritual, you'll find most of these degrees to us, at first glance, we watch them. And they're beautiful and we experience them. And there's these little spots where maybe you have to do a certain offering, if you will, or uh, questions asked of you, and we don't think a lot of it. But the more you watch it, you see it like a line in the sand. And there's these beautiful parts of the ritual where, where Pike very clearly tells you, you know, if you don't understand what's going on here right now, might be a good time to step back and, and really do some self-introspection and some meditation on this before you go for- further. Because otherwise, it's worthless. You're wasting our time. Uh, and that sounds harsh, but that's. <laughs> yes. So, Brother Jacob, question. Um, so, I, I know you are an expert in all things uh, United States uh, Scottish Rite, shall we say. But, um, you know, you, you touched on something when you talked about the history of the Scottish Rite and how, you know, we don't they don't practice the, the three degrees, uh, the first three degrees. There are a couple of jurisdictions here that do. Yes. And, 
um, lots of places in Europe and South America that those are their three degrees, right? They're based on on the ancient and accepted Scottish Rite craft system. And for anybody who's never seen those degrees, I've only seen an editor apprentice degree, but they are awesome. Um, way different than our story. Um, but, uh, but to that point, I just keep thinking about, you know, I'm on Facebook and, you know, I'm on social media a lot and I see a lot of brothers in Europe and their Scottish right system is way different than ours. You know, like a, a weekend, a weekend thing is unheard of for them. In fact, my Scottish right class, you know, I've only been a Scottish right Mason for like six years, I think. And uh, my Scottish right class, we had a couple of dudes from the UK that came over here specifically to become a 32nd degree Scottish right Mason because it was impossible for them to do that back home. Um, so I, I think to your point, I think some of the other countries still maintain that, you know, you got to do a degree and learn the lessons and, you know, inculcate it. And then, you know, and then you can move on to the next one or not. You know, I think there's a bunch of people that stop at the, what is it? The 18th degree in the UK? 18th never or, or 14th. Yeah. yeah. Or 14th even. Um, and, that, and that's a great point, Joe. Um, and, and to that, uh, I, I got to interact with a brother um, about a year ago, and he was from the United Kingdom. And he'll tell you, if you join the Scottish Rite there, you don't get any of the degrees except the 18th. You might see a couple of the ones below it in exemplar lodges, like where they demonstrate it, if I understood him right. And then maybe if you are really hardworking and you serve as an officer, you might receive the 30th degree. But going beyond that is like extremely tough. Um, additionally, we had a brother who joined our valley uh, several years ago. It might have been the reunion that, that Robert was down at. Uh, he was from Brazil originally, and he joined our valley. And he was telling us stories about how, uh, at least in Brazil, it's kind of looked at the time, it was partly looked down upon because there were guys who would come to the U.S. to receive their Scottish Rite degrees. But he was paranoid probably not the right word, but he was very concerned when he left that he didn't know all the grips, passwords, tokens, signs for the degrees. Because if he went back home and didn't have them, <laughs> didn't matter what was on paper. Um, so. Wow. So, so then what I found interesting when I went through, through my Scottish Rite degrees was I was fully expecting to get a big copy of Morals and Dogma handed to me, right? That's like the Scottish Rite Bible. You got a few of these actually there, right there um, on my bookshelf. And yet I got this well done, but um, crib notes version uh, called A Bridge to Light. And it's it does a good job of summarizing the degrees and getting you kind of the, the overview. Uh, but it's certainly not the, the full meal I was I was expecting to order. You got you got jip, bud. I did. We're both, we're both in the same valley, and I got morals and dogma, and bridge to light, and then they gave me the uh, what's the other one? The uh, monitor. Oh, um, monitor. Get the heck I out of all, here! I got all three. Yeah, Joe, you you're really got a good deal. You really gotta think. You're thinking you gotta stay till the end, man. You can't run into the parking lot and go home. You have to actually stay to get all of the things. No, man, I got jip. You. Yeah. So. Here's here's what I got. What did you get? Um, still waiting. Oh, I got a I got the jewel. I got a cool Valley Chicago metal jewel. 
That's what I got. We don't have that. Yeah. They don't, don't they don't that. give us anything in the northern jurisdiction typically. Um and the books that we do get, uh the best of which is Frank Conway's Masonic Pageant, the rest of them are really not not the best. Um and they're not written from a place of objective opinion either. Um and Frank Conway is a little subjective. He's a lot subjective in his book too, but at least it's like all the info and unfiltered. What I wanted to ask Jacob uh, about, and this this is going to be scandalous probably, so choose your words uh, and you are warned. We all know that Morals and Dogma is not the easiest book to read. Um, we all know that uh, the critique of Albert Pike over the last, let's say, just 10 years, look at... Uh, problems that people have had with them. I'm not talking about like social problems and like the, the things that people talk about, you know, tearing a statue down or anything. Uh, what I'm talking about is the lack of citation, the lack of resource material that is provided in the type of book that he wrote. Um, and as like a lawyer and stuff, people make this argument that he should have known better and should be able to do this thing that he, uh, you know, plagiarized a lot of Eliphas Levi so that's one part of it. But the second part of it is that people, and I, I'm going to say just people, love. There's a whole subculture of brothers that really dislike A Bridge to Light. They say that it's a terrible book, that uh, I've never met Rex, but they say like Rex didn't know what he was talking about uh, when he did it and all this stuff. And uh, I just wanted to get your hot take on it. and. Uh, you know, don't burn any bridges. <laughs> Boy, that's a loaded question. Yeah, so, so that it's a good good question. It, it's worth bringing up. Um, I, I'll first st- make some very blanket statements. Uh, brothers who know me, um, I find the older Pike ritual to be superior, in my personal opinion. Um, the revised Pike is the revised Pike. I get it. Um, I find the older work be- more beautiful more meaningful, more profound. Um, I realized that illustrious Hutchins and, and De Hoyos uh, had quite a task and the labor they did is, is commendable. Um, I don't think any one of us could sit down and really toil to what they did in some ways. Um, morals and dogma, it's a beast. Intellectual property was not the same as it is today as it was then. Right. Um, and we, we know that. So I, him as a lawyer uh, from what, my understanding of him is uh, he was actually a very exceptionally decent lawyer. Um, I, I think his take on how he did it was within the bounds of that time. Uh, of course, people always talk about how hard it is to read. Um, I can't quote it, but I'll, I'll basically there's a statistic out there that's been published before that talks about if you were to take a newspaper from 1857 when Pike wrote Morals and Dogma and run it through like a processor to see what grade level it is. It's like a college senior grade level, I think, or more, master's maybe even. A newspaper, like you go buy it on the street corner. If you do that with one today, you're like a third grade. Our, yeah. our understanding of the I classics and all that stuff. And so it's, it's quite different. And, and I can personally sit here and say, yeah, I've read Morals and Dalma twice all the way through. I can tell you the first time I had a log jam. I got to the Night of the Sun degree, which is the longest chapter, and I couldn't get past it for the longest time. Um, but once I pushed through it, uh, I took my time. I enjoyed it. Um, 
I, I don't think he's sacrosanct where he didn't say a single thing wrong in it. I do think there's a lot of references and stuff that were missed. Um, I do appreciate DeHoyos' effort to annotate it out. Um, Bridge Light, it's a great resource to hand somebody. When I give it to newer brothers, uh, I always say, you know, check this out. Give it a look. But also make sure after you've looked through this, you crack open some of those other texts. The Monitor, the Liturgies, the Legendas, if you can get your hands on them. Because there are some interpretations that I think are a, a bit a, opinionated in there. I, I do think some opinion floats in some of it uh, that doesn't exactly jive up. And, and sometimes I've read some things in there that I, it's great. I like it as a great primer, but then I sit there and I go, well, does that exactly make sense to me in the scope of what that degree is getting at? Um, I, I think they're good Bible resources, but I do know guys that are very up in arms. They don't, they won't hand it to anybody if they don't have to hand it to anybody. Um, I've also heard guys who prefer the older editions. If you can get your hands on, um, well, heck, I've got one right here. If you can get your hands on like one of the older editions of Bridge to Light, which I'm holding upside down, which is great. But if you can get your hands on like one of the older ones, I've heard guys talk more positive about this than the newer. I think it's a little bit of preference, your own desire, um, how you want to study. But um, I won't ever discourage anybody from digging after a resource. I mean, because sooner or later, you, they may find the spark that's going to get them on a, on a freight train to some really cool idea. Well, you, you kind of, Brother Jacob, you kind of touched on something. And, and, not, and just to tie a bow on, on Robert's question, I mean, when you get down to it and you look at, let's talk about Pike and let's talk about morals and dogma. I mean, when you're putting that much content and you're putting that much information into what's going to become your, your magnum opus, right, of your life, there's got to be subjectivity to it, right? At some point, Freemasonry becomes subjective to every single one of us. You know, you have your own idea with Freemasonry as I do. Um, we agree on certain things. Everybody agrees skulls are awesome, you know, but there is some subjectivity to how we take those lessons and, and you know, walk that path, right? So, you know, from and I do it all the time, you know, and I know for myself, you know, my flavor of Freemasonry isn't what other people like to do. And sometimes I don't care. And, you know, I just push that on them anyway. So, you know, that goes to that subjectivity of it, that, um, it, it's just bound to happen, you know, and especially when you're putting, I mean, that's a life's work. I could never write something that big and that long and, you know, over a long period of time, I just, I don't have the time and the wherewithal to do that, but he did. And, um, so you gotta, you gotta look at it. I mean, that is when, when you're talking about a life's work, you're going to have your own life's thoughts and ideals and, and forms in it, you know? So, you can't be too hard on them, I think. Right. Yeah, and, and to add one quick little thing to that, it, it, is, it is subjective, I think, after time. But it's also, I think, when we look at something like Morals and Dogma, it, it's it's important we have the context of the degree in our mind that we're reading about, but also the time. And I, and I say that for a very uh, important reason. Um, when I worked with some brothers on a, on a study group program, they were reading through Morals and Dogma. And these guys were reading about the Fellowcraft degree. And I had a guy who called me and was livid, livid as he could be, because this was this this whole lecture in Morals and Dogma is talking about religion, and we don't talk about religion in Lodge. And he was just very upset about it. And I said, I "Well, guess. yeah." A I lot. was like, "Well, context and the degree. This is the Scottish Rite degree, second degree. It's not the same one you saw. It's not the Preston Webb. Slight difference there." 
and then he realized it. But having that awareness of the context yes. is important. Um, yeah. I think we lose it sometimes with the, when you look at like the Revised Pike and then you try to go read the Morals and Dogma lecture on it because sometimes the ritual doesn't line up anymore. <clears throat> Spoken like a true historian, right? Mm. You, have to, you have to understand the context and the intent. Uh, so another thing, this is really the whole purpose of, of t- bringing you on the show tonight specifically, is you know COVID hit, right? And then we had this plethora of masonic uh zooms and um different uh groups like refracted light on facebook you know tmr we we kept being awesome and then so there's lots of more masonic education opportunities for brothers who couldn't go to lodge go to chapter go to their valley and you did something unique and very special and why don't you explain what what was this program that you set up and what did you do on a regular basis uh, specifically for Scottish Rite Brethren? Yeah. Uh, thanks, John. So as COVID kind of rolled in, it had actually started shutting stuff down around St. Louis right before my valley was going to have a, a four bodies meeting, our general membership meeting. Um, and at our general membership meetings for the last few years, uh, we had done an education segment. The education committee had put it together. Uh, myself, illustrious Phil Cole, uh, brother Randy Sanders, and a couple other brothers had, had kind of worked to craft some things that would address the meeting. So if that night the Lodge of Perfection was in charge, we'd do a presentation about the Lodge of Perfection. If it was Rose Croy, we'd do one about a Rose Croy degree. Well, uh, as everything got shut down, they canceled our four bodies meeting. And uh, so nobody was going to head to St. Louis. I thought for a minute and I got a hold of a couple of our committee guys and I said, hey, I've got a presentation ready. It's built. It's on the uh, seventh degree. Uh, what if I set up a Zoom and we just see who shows up and we work through the degree. We only let Scottish Rite brothers attend um, and we talk about the work, the symbols, um, the interactions, the history of the degree in terms of its development, nothing really that could be discussed in a tiled room, but all the basics you could find in a bridge to light uh, and a bunch of other resources that guys may not have access to. We started doing that um, in March of that year as things shut down. And inevitably what, what followed was uh, a lecture every week for about three months. And we just started working up the scale uh, we went from seven to eight to nine, ten, and just kept going. Uh, inevitably, as, as things in Missouri opened back up, we shifted to an every other week schedule for a little bit and then monthly. Uh, and, and we were able to really dig into some neat perspective with these discussions, but we were also able to really get some great interaction. Um, we inevitably had uh, just at about 500 brothers on our, on our register roll. Uh, and these brothers represent um, about 89 different valleys, uh, about 12 Supreme Councils, um, and multiple come together uh, as we discuss Scottish Rite Masonry and these degrees. Uh, and we break things down piece by piece. So, you know, it's, it's talking about the basics, you know, what are the tenets? What are those key lessons? What's the regalia? Why is the regalia like it is? How is the lodge room set up? How has this degree changed in the last 200 years? 
stuff that guys scratch their head on. And, and what we, and then we go into the, the little scratch or nail just at the, the back of your head on the esoterics just to get guys thinking. And what we found were, was this overwhelming interest in Scottish right education. Um, really just across the board. And it was cool because you were also getting brothers on there that were directors of work, that were personal reps, that were a few SGIGs even occasionally. And they were asking questions about, hey, we've always done this degree this way. I never, We didn't know that. Or I didn't have that idea. Or our property departments never had that on the altar. I mean, it was cool. Because then you'd lead into discussions where, you know, another brother would pop up and say, well, you know, we do it this way. Um, and it was fantastic. The interactions, the discussion, um, just kind of blew up over time, uh, to some really great resources. And so inevitably, uh, we've been able to record a lecture for every degree from the fourth through the 32nd, uh, as well as a couple supplemental lectures, uh, that cover things like various symbols. And that's, that's kind of where we're heading now with the series, uh, as we'll kick up this summer. Uh, we've kind of taken a little break after doing all of them. Uh, but we've started to crack into those deeper parts of the degrees that guys don't think about or that they think about that when you open Bridge to Light, it only has like three sentences. You know, the apartments of the 25th degree where you have the house of the earth, the house of the moon and the sun, the, the angels of the 27th degree, all these little bits that guys have always wondered about that we've never taken time to sit down and say, here. Um, you know, one of the... One of the things we found that guys liked the most, we would, I would make charts in the presentation to just compare and contrast how things changed. We're like talking about, you know, in this degree, these, these are the people involved. In this degree, it's these guys. Well, why did it change? What's the significance? Um, it, it's raising those questions because so much it is, it's a fire hose when we get these degrees. We don't have time to sit there and think on a specific degree and say, wow. I think that dovetails super nicely into into this next question because I remember specifically right after everything got locked down. It wasn't until a couple of weeks after you know a bunch of dudes started you know refracted light and and Randy started his own thing and North Carolina did as well. I think it was about two three weeks into it when you started posting um, everywhere about hey let's get together for Scottish Red Education and definitely during the lockdown. Um, I, I was there for quite a few of those, and I remember you were getting dudes from all over the country um, and even outside the country that were coming to join because everybody was just starving for Masonic education. I know we've talked about this on the show numerous times, but I think it was such an interesting time for Freemasonry as a whole because people had access to things that, you know, you were talking to a dude you never in your life would have ever met in person, um, you know, and you got to talk Scottish Rite Masonry with them and just share and 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 learn and stuff and so i think you guys latched on to it fairly quickly and and i think it was awesome that you did it yeah thanks it, it it was it was so neat to just see that that desire for that education um and, and to hear guys just get excited about it you know we had uh older members in my valley uh that are in their 80s that, that are the coolest old guys ever to sit next to after a, after a meeting and they'll tell you stories about how you know, back in my day in the 60s, when we did the 32nd degree, it was this way and it was this and this. And now it's hogwash. Those type of guys. And they would, wouldn't miss a meeting. They'd make sure that their son logged them on so they could sit and, and listen just just to hear it. I mean, you find that way and then you bring guys in from, you know, we had brothers from uh, the UK, 
Uh, we had from the Philippines and, and various other places around the world and just their perspectives. It's really kind of a neat way to have that discussion because we're talking about, you know, the history of these degrees going from the Franken manuscript in the 1780s, 1790s up to today. And, and, you know, you have a brother joined from the United Kingdom, the Supreme Council of England and Wales, and he sits there and goes, well, our ritual is based on the Franken. We didn't get any of that Pike stuff. So it's completely, you know, totally different in this degree than that. And, and it's neat to hear those comparisons. And to see those really questions that bother them. Yeah. So what's next? That's the real big question. After you've gone through this, you said you're talking about doing some <laughs> deeper dives on the symbolism. Like, are, are you running out of things to talk about? Because I doubt you are. What else? What else is is there? Because uh, <laughs> I have to say, you're getting a name for yourself in the Scottish Rite community uh, because uh. of you know. You know, you, you undersell yourself, and I, I even told you in the green room, my job here is to make you look even more awesome than you already are, because it 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 took time and effort to, to put this together. Next thing you know, you've got 29 degrees done, and then you're, you're going even deeper. Um, you're getting recognized. You're getting brothers, Scottish Rite brothers from around the world uh, coming to listen to you. And yes, these are, these are Pike's concepts and thoughts and, and the evolution of that. But you're present you're you're repackaging it in a way that's accessible, that is not, you know, two inches thick, and it's it's relatable, and uh, that is certainly to be commended. So, what's what do you see next as coming up on the horizon for for your work? Because I don't want you to slow down. Well, well, thanks, John. That that really does truly truly mean a lot. And you you are overselling me. There are more wanted posters with my face on it. Uh, then request for me to do any talking. Yeah, um, you're in good company. Or anything else. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so one of the big goals we set out when we first started doing this um, was expand beyond just the degrees to those other other concepts, those other aspects. Um, and, and I have, there's a couple directions we're kind of trailing towards. One is an idea that was actually born... Uh, several years back between myself and a couple other brothers. And it, and it basically involved taking a couple Scottish Rite topics, prepping a, a, a small slide deck, and then having a short discussion with three primary speakers instead of just myself and using multiple perspectives to kind of dig into some of the more uh, philosophical concepts. That's kind of where we want to take that. The other thing we're looking at is, is those dialed in topics. Um, and we've got a list of I think about 15 ready uh, from everything about discussing the 13th degree and the descent that occurs in that degree uh, to the regalia. You know, what? So even some just general stuff, you know, what, what was before the Scottish Rite caps? I, I can tell you we looked fabulous. I mean, we looked exceptionally good. And then we went to looking like bellhops. I mean, it was it's cool. Um, you know, there's also we've got some great discussion ideas that have come in from brothers. We've had some suggestions about, hey, I'd really like to hear about the mystic ladder in the 30th degree. I want to hear about if anything's changed with it. What is the significance of it? Um, we've had other brothers want to know about, you know, the development of the idea of the Elu and who are the Elu in the Lodge of Perfection, which are the Elu is that, that, or Elu, excuse me, is that French word for elect. Those are the, the brothers, the fellow crafts and the workmen who help um, kind of complete the lessons of that degree. So, 
we're at a point now where we're shifting towards that idea of further development to find those topics that guys want to hear about, that guys are interested in, um, and really capitalize on that. Because if there's an interest, we, we can hopefully hunt something up. Um, one of the bigger things we've really kind of focused on with these lectures, um, and it's, it's grown over time. It used to be kind of a smaller piece, but it's now bigger, is the focus on the older pike. Um, initially when we started this, it was very, here's the transition of ritual. This is it. Um, but we've had a lot of interest from brothers saying, Hey, what is the, the difference here between these? What is, what's so different between the 1880s pike and the revised pike? Why is it important? Is it more profound? Does it have more meaning? So I'll ask, where Um, do I find, where do I find the old pike rituals then? (laughs) Well, good luck. Oh, and God's. Oh, come on. So, so or just Albert email Pike, them to us. Yeah, and I uh, can't, can't do that even. Um, Albert Pike was, for whatever we may say, a smarter mason than 90% of the Grand Lodges, Grand Chapters, or Grand Councils that ever printed their ritual. Because the Supreme Council printed everything in about four books. And so you have to have all the books together in one place to make the ritual function. Um, there's a book uh, called The Liturgy. You can find those for sale on the, the Scottish Rite store, scottishrite.org, or store.org. They have the liturgy there. It's a reprint uh, of one from the third. It's not. Liturgy is the monitor. It's your bare bones monitor work like you could find if you buy the big, thick monitor they sell today. The next book you would get is The Legenda. And The Legenda is uh, extra lectures, basically. Um, that add into the degree. There's another book that basically has the secret work and then an additional book that kind of deals more into the secret work. You have to have all four of them. If a valley had those books at the time, they kept them on site. You didn't leave with them. Um, it was very tightly, tightly constricted. Um, and after their use ceased, generally speaking, those books were our property of the Spring Council and were to be turned over or destroyed. So there are valleys out there that have them. You can ask around and maybe your valley secretary can give you a lead. Um, I do know brothers that watch the interwebs and there's probably a Masonic darknet somewhere that you can find those texts on. Um, you won't find everything. I, I know brothers who have, who have made a very arduous effort to try to reconstruct what they can and, and they're missing bits because it's, a very small set of publication, you know, um, but you can you can find bits and pieces of it. And if you ask around, I would say most older valleys perhaps have it somewhere. And if your valley has a library, I'd encourage you to check on the shelves. Kid you yeah. not. You never know. Um, you, would, you would be surprised what gets randomly filed on a bookshelf when it falls out of use and nobody has a clue. Mm-hmm. Um, I have I have found weirder things on bookshelves than the old pike work. Um, I mean, but, look at but, look at Joe's bookshelves, for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, really, that's, yeah. So, so that, that's where you that's where you have to go. You have to you have to dig deep. It's not going to be an easy task, but certainly it sounds like a fulfilling one. Um, yeah. The the last thing I wanted to to highlight before we start to um, get to the final thoughts and final question was I know Robert threw a couple of ideas too in the in the the working document we have to the show notes about what else is out there right so 
Um, if you're a member of the Northern Jurisdiction or if you followed other types of Scottish Rite research, what else is out there aside from all the hard work you've done if you wanted to explore oh, yeah. deeper? So, so Robert, why don't you um, lead us down that path? Sure, sure. So a couple of the things that I think are, are worthy to bring up here are, number one, the, the really the one of the first study programs that I was ever made aware of after joining the Northern Jurisdiction. Pamphlets of the Master Craftsman Program from the Southern Jurisdiction were in the library of my Chicago Valley. So that was interesting. And what I found... <laughs> about uh, that was when I signed up to to do that. Um, you know, there are literally, I mean, uh, if you count the 33rd degree, there are 66 different degrees in Freemasonry. Right. Uh, they, they, they are truly different uh, in almost uh, every sense of the word. So uh, we had the Master Craftsman Program, and that was great. Um, however, you know, it didn't do a whole lot for the Northern jurisdiction who might be wanting to know the history behind some of what uh, – they're learning um, in many valleys in the northern jurisdiction. Uh, the degrees and the scripts are closely guarded. Um, you only get them when you do the degree, and then they got to be put back. And there's not a lot of discussion outside the prologue. Uh, and so, yikes, right? And then uh, brother illustrious brother Glatley came along, and uh, him and uh, you know his crew got together, and and they launched the HGA, the Houtgrade Academy. Uh, which is a phenomenal program um, for those brothers who are able to join that. Uh, but there's the Master Craftsman program, there's the HGA. And what I found interesting was uh, the Houtgrade Academy was all this online, almost exclusively. Uh, well, it is exclusively online. Uh, whereas the Master Craftsman program was really a correspondence course that anybody could take. You got a great deal on the ritual monitor and book because you got it basically for free by taking the class and it was really open to anybody. I mean, the public could take it. There's no um, kind of lock and key to that. But then shortly, I think it took a few years, right? Um, but then I, then we started this, the, uh, the early adoption in the Valley of St. Louis. Uh, you guys started doing the master uh, craftsman uh, study groups um, there were study groups and slides that were starting to come out for this whole thing. Uh, and then eventually they, I think they did move some of the master craftsman program, uh, the mo to online modules. So it's kind of cool that now there is this accessibility for, uh, our brothers out there to do this kind of thing. However, you know, it's still self-guided and you're still by yourself. And I think one of the key things about Freemasonry is uh, when we're in a room together having discussion on a topic, learning from each other and perspectives, uh, or even just talking about it and kind of being a sponge and soaking it up uh, is something that is uh, maybe underrated or not thought about as much as it could be. And so to that idea, um, I like the idea of, of this other thing that we have, right, which are these local groups. Uh, and I think John's got a, a comment, or maybe it was uh, 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 Joe who wrote, you know, quality is hit or miss with some of these because of the organization uh, it takes to put some of these things together, uh, the expertise of the people putting these things on. Um, let's face it, there is not a uh, master's degree of the Scottish Rite mm -hmm. um, 
for any, I mean, there are people out there who are Grand Lodge historians who don't know anything about their Grand Lodge history outside of the fact that they know the right people to talk to, uh, to get the answers, right? Um, Walter Hunt is not that. Walter Hunt in Massachusetts can tell you, <laughs> tell you anything you want to know about anywhere right from the top of his head. And if he can't, he'll point you to his wiki, uh, you know. Uh, <laughs> yes, he <pages>. will. <laughs> but, but like, so, so this is a huge thing. And, and as Joe pointed out, you've, you've been really progressive in a lot of this. Um, and so what are your thoughts on things like master craftsmen? I mean, uh, what are your thoughts on, on how great Academy and, and any other type of, you know, experience learning platform that exists for Scottish Rite Masons? Yeah. So, so great question. Um, <clears throat> I think it's fantastic. Any, any way you can get brothers to jump into something is good. Uh, St. Louis, um, Began a study group, uh, 2018 maybe, if my memory is right, it might be shoddy. Um, but when we began that study group, we set out to make it a collegiate style study group. And I think you've probably seen some of our stuff, Robert, that's come out with it. But we actually have a college level syllabus. We hold guys to attendance. Uh, I mean, you miss a class or two without an excuse, you don't come back. We'll, we'll help you. It's not like I'm going to shun you, but you don't get to participate. Um, and we how we got our feet wet kind of even with the presentations is because the Valley of St. Louis covers the entire Eastern side of the state. Basically we're five hours North of St. Louis or excuse me, four hours South of St. Louis all the way to about four hours North. So we have guys driving multiple hours. I mean, I myself am about an hour 15 from the cathedral. So what we started doing was we had a cycle. And so you get two weeks to read all your reading one week. You'd have a zoom meeting where we cover everything you read and then you come in person to the cathedral the next meeting and we hash it out, throw fists if we had to over a topic and go. Um, I think the more we can emphasize things like study groups, it's fantastic because you're going to get guys to have those hard discussions. Um, you know, we've done study groups for Master Craftsman 1, 2, and 3. We do uh, at least two groups a year in, in session, like a collegiate term. And, and I got to tell you, I walk away with cool ideas every time. Um, I used to be one of the lead instructors. I've got brother Randy Sanders as an instructor now. Um, brother Levi Banker from down around St. Louis area is another one of them. And brother Josh Herbig from St. Louis area. And those guys do great because it's all about fostering discussion. And with master craftsmen or with hot grades, you're providing that opportunity. And I think uh, seeing the northern jurisdiction have that program now uh, gives them some great opportunity to really get their members thinking about the work more than um, probably was before. Uh, of course, Master Craftsman, now you can do it online. They do have the option where one and two, you can now take the quizzes online and do that. So they've turned that leaf as well um, and made a couple of those texts. Like the Ritual Monitor, I think you can get on Kindle now. I'm pretty sure. That you uh, can. Bridge to Light, I think, as well. Um, so there's some great opportunity there for guys who want to dig in. Um, I did Master Craftsman solo all the way through because we didn't have a study group at the time. Um, but we have found it to be one of the greatest, and not to talk membership here, but one of the greatest tools for retention of newer members is having that Master Craftsman program. The number of guys who join the right, participate in it, and now are helping in degrees on committees, are involved in stuff, it's like second to none. Um, the other program I, I mentioned out of those that, that wasn't hit on, but uh, it's probably the, the hardest hitting in terms of effort in some ways, would be the College of Consistory done by Guthrie. 
Um, and anybody who's familiar with Absolutely. that, uh, you, you got to write a beast. Well, I wouldn't say a beast of an essay, but 1500 words on, on prompts for each degree. Um, you know, they, they project it would take you take at the very fastest seven years to get through all of it. Um, I can tell you I'm on year four and I just got done with the lodge. So I am woefully behind <laughs> the fastest time. Um, but opportunities for brothers to just think about the work more, to just take time to have a discussion. Um, we get very provincial in our ideas sometimes and just want to stay very, very craft lodge or very, very York right or something. And that's great. That's fine. But we don't often take time to think past those degrees and go a little deeper. And so any opportunity we can foster that is a win. It's a win. I think um, so. Hot grades, master craftsman, however it may be. If guys find it useful, great. Even if it takes you six years to complete one program, cool. Great. You're exactly. reading. You're applying mm-hmm. yourself. No, I think that's a – man, that's a perfect uh, way Preach. To, to wrap up the, the conversation of, of the night is, uh, as, as Joe says, there's, there's always the Nike way of applying Masonic education. What is that, yeah. Joe? What's Nike's motto? Just do it. Just do it. Just go. Do it. Just start. Because uh, uh, you can't go wrong once you start applying. Good, awesome. So let's uh, let's start going to the final question of tonight, and we'll start with Joe, and we'll work our way around. And the final question is: What's your favorite part of Scottish Rite? And that could be anything and everything. So, Ooh, yeah, leaving it wide open. Could be the jewelry. Ooh, could be the food. You name it. So, uh, yeah. So I'm gonna not say the food. You know, I'm not a the beans of green. Of, I am gonna never talk to you again. Um, Can I get that in writing? I was, <laughs> you're a funny guy. Uh, I know where you live. So um, I would have to say, uh, for me, the my most favorite part of the Scottish Rite is um, just uh, like Jacob said, the the. Uh, the really granular details that it gets into some of the things. And for me, the, the degrees that talk about, you know, uh, the craft legend, um, especially after the, the events of the master Mason's degree, um, finding things in secret vaults. Um, you know, there are some synonyms and there, there's some similarities to things you see in the York right system. But for me, those degrees, um, especially the way they're laid out in morals and dogma, and in the monitor, um, they're just so transcendent in nature. They touch on all the really awesome bits of, of philosophy that, that you could ever imagine in, in Freemasonry. Um, and they just expand on all those lessons that you learn about in the, in the three degrees in a really beautiful way. Um, so, again, I think for me, uh, those degrees that, that, again, touch on the, the temple allegory um, are my favorite and not the food. Thanks, John. Muy bien. Okay, Robert, how about you? What is what has been your favorite experience so far with the Scottish Rite? I think I have two two things. Uh, one is that, um, of course, there is a deeper philosophical base to the Scottish Rite. Uh, whether you're in the northern jurisdiction or the southern jurisdiction. Um, there is a philosophical lesson that is attempting to be conveyed to you 
that extrapolates some value of those first three degrees. Uh, so you're seeing it in a new light, right? Uh, you know, the northern jurisdiction says, hey, we're taking those degrees. We're taking that that piece of thread that we want to look at with a different angle, as uh, Brother Jacob put it. Um, and let's put it in a, you know, more modern, practical kind of idea of how you would see that today. And the southern jurisdiction has done the same thing, but kept with those kind of original temple allegories, um, which you know, everybody has their favorite flavor, right? And I, I do enjoy the Southern jurisdiction work a, a little more just because I'm more of a reader. I'm more of a philosophy kind of guy. I like the long lectures. I like the mystical stuff. I'm a fan of Clausen, you know, these kinds of things. So I love that. But the other thing that, um, and this is probably controversial, is that it's only controversial if you take this out of context. So the context is of the people who typically will join the Scottish Rite, there are a number of brilliant brothers across the craft who never join the Scottish Rite. Okay. But because the Scottish Rite typically pulls from a larger area, I get to sit in a room with uh, a great number of A squad brothers. Um, there are guys that, uh, are, I get like the best from the area, you know, they come to the reunion because we all want to see each other and we all want to talk about stuff. And again, I'm not saying that there are brothers, you know, that aren't, you're not smart if you don't join the Scottish, right? I'm just saying the Scottish, right? Provides a meetup for a larger area of brothers and, and just through probability, there are a lot of brothers who end up coming to the reunions that uh, are just a squad guys, man. The dudes you'd be like, I want him on my dodgeball team. <laughs> and um, it's, it's a lot of fun to talk with those kind of people because as we all, as we all know, um, it's like the whole reason we're going, right, is because we want to learn. And we're not learning about, you know, I'm not going to get into it, but it's important to learn and to be around people who can teach you uh, iron sharpens iron. So love it. Awesome. Thanks, Robert. Mm -hmm. How about you, brother Jacob? Since, Ooh. since you're so well read, uh, what's, what would you narrow down? Like, you don't have to pick a favorite, but you can pick a favorite category of a favorite corner of Scottish right. I, I think it's the actual exemplification of the work itself. Um, I, I think we, we look at the ritual, we look at the Scottish right as this huge, massive system, but sometimes I think because of the fire hose effect, we don't notice the subtle importance of the work so much sometimes. And I think the more I've had an opportunity to go to reunions and sit in that auditorium uh, or sit on the floor in the ritual uh, with those brothers that are uh, of like mind and purpose, uh, laboring in the lessons of the Scottish Rite, laboring under these values and, and things and these concepts, um, there's a purpose to it. Um, there's a meaningful effort by each brother. And when that effort comes through and we realize it and we see it and we acknowledge it, 
uh, once we pass that fire hose point, um, I think we walk away with a great experience every time. Um, because I think that initiatic experience, no matter if you've seen the degree once or, or 50 times, if you truly pay attention, you're going to be moved each time and you're going to walk away thinking about that degree again and those values. Um, and then it's going to lead you to that concept of education, to that concept of betterment, um, and, and those discussions that happen afterwards. Um, and that fellowship that comes with it being with those brothers who put that effort in, uh, to really exemplify that degree to its peak point um, and espouse those values. Because if that degree is, is conferred as it should, if it's done with brothers who are knowledgeable and, and truly understand what they're saying, not just parroting it back, it's going to move the candidate. It should move. The, it's going to move the class. Um, and it's going to make you a part of that experience. Uh, and I think there's something profound about that. Um, I've always enjoyed being in the room uh, when those degrees occur to be a part of that. Uh, and I've had the opportunity to be a part of the ritual work to do some of that. Um, and, and I've seen guys, candidates, literally, um, and this sounds cheesy, but it's been a life-changing moment for them to be an exemplar in the 18th degree. Uh, mm -hmm. Literally, they, and they'll tell you it. They'll, I can think of one brother for certain who will physically tell you that was changing moment for him. Um, and, and I think there's there's a beauty to it. It's, it's always one of my favorite favorite things. I mean, because it's the starting point of that education, it's the starting point of that experience that follows through with the education, with the, uh, and then um, ends with that fellowship at the end of the reunion uh, with those brothers coming together and, and enjoying the discussions and digging deeper uh, into the late hours of the night. So. Awesome. So favorite things. Cool. You got lots, lots of favorite things for sure. So, uh, if someone wanted to get access to your content you've assembled over the past two years, how could they get in contact with that information? Awesome. So, uh, two really easy ways. Uh, the first is pretty simple. We have a private group set up on Facebook. Um, that we have all the footage there. It is only available to Scottish Rite Masons. Uh, you can search the group. You can find the group. Uh, but if you don't answer the questions, you won't get access to it. Uh, we only allow Scottish Rite Masons who belong to spring councils uh, that are recognized by the Southern jurisdiction. Uh, that Facebook group is called Archives of the Right. Um, and it's pretty easy to find. Um, for anybody who's looking for like what the profile picture would be, it's a seal of Solomon, uh, with some Phoenician characters in the middle of it. Um, and just ask to join, answer the questions. We'll give you access there. Uh, additionally, we do have a YouTube stream set up on another private playlist, uh, to get the link for that. Uh, feel free to, uh, shoot me an email and I can drop my email, uh, on the event page, uh, for this stream tonight. Uh, and brothers can reach out to me there and we'll get them the link to that access through there. Excellent. Awesome. Well, Hey, I want to do a special thank you from the bottom of my heart to, uh, have you come on, talk about all this, all this cool work that you've done. You really, uh, made a, an impact to Freemasonry, uh, despite your, uh, your humility. Uh, it's really been an awesome thing for you to put together. And I really do appreciate all the hard work you've done in, in assembling all of this fine quality 
Masonic education. Okay. Well, thank you. Awesome. My pleasure. See, my favorite part of the uh, Scottish Rite degrees, uh, let's see, one was just being part of the degrees, putting on the degrees. I was, I've been in the 30th degree cast, and I've been uh, recently in the 4th degree cast. You learn something new every time when you actually have to you know, exemplify that to, um, uh, to, to a class. But also, one thing that, that really opened my eyes a lot, and that I enjoy d- digging deeper into, is the kind of the comparative religion part. Uh, there is a little bit of that, you know, you talked about, you know, religion being brought up and you're like, wait a minute, I thought, thought we weren't supposed to talk about religion. No, no, there's quite a bit of comparative religion to introduce these concepts of higher truths and higher themes. And it's, it's fascinating to pull in this syncretic system of, you know, a variety of different mystery, mystery schools and find different pieces of the puzzle that, that seemed to fit together nicely uh, to tell, to tell a story about, you know, existence and, and about what it means to be a good human being on earth. So that I always f- get fascinated when I'm, when I'm digging deep into uh, either morals and dogma or some commentary on the degrees or, or re- you know, going through reading the degrees themselves. And I'm like, Oh wow, that's really cool how these things fit together. And um, it was through, you know, centuries of work. Uh, to pull this this knowledge together through a variety of different sources to come to some some great truths that we we get to be the keepers of and that's pretty cool so uh, with that i hope you guys enjoy the show we want to thank you all very much for watching and keep searching for more light have a good night wow